Welcome to another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. Celebrating everything about Glasgow West End and the wider Glasgow area. My name's Jim Byrne and Pat and the title is Pat Byrne. And as far as I know, this is episode 64. In this episode, Pat has a chat with Ruby McCann. Ruby's a Glasgow poet, writer, playwright and creative writing tutor. She's won numerous awards and her work's featured in many publications and is a promoter and facilitator, facilitator of numerous creative events. You can tell that Pat loved chatting with Ruby. She had lots of projects she's got on at the moment uh, to talk about and she has worked with numerous talented writers over the years. I can safely say from listening to this that when it comes to representing Scotland's literature, Ruby is the perfect ambassador. Okay, let's, uh, before, before we listen to that, I'll just remind you that we really would like to hear from you. Send us a message on the Twitter at Glasgow's West End or send a wee email to pat at pat at glasgowestend.co.uk and if there's anything you wanted to say to us, is there anything, anybody you want us to talk to or any topic you think that uh, you would like to hear about that's related to Glasgow or Glasgow West End, we will try to oblige if we can. OK, that's enough for me. Let's uh, listen to Pat talking to Ruby McCann. So I'm really pleased today that Ruby McCann's come up to visit me. Ruby's a poet and someone who's done various had various roles and done an awful lot to promote literature, you could say, in Scotland <laughs> in, and, and further afield, I think. So um, I know, Ruby, that... Not starting at the beginning, of course, we'll start in the middle... Um, because I came across you, first of all, when you were chair of the Scottish Writing Centre. That's right, yes. So, and you did that for quite a while? Um, it was a three-year directorship, and I started in October 2014, and I stepped down as chair on October 2017. Yeah, quite a, quite a stint. It certainly was, but it was a really brilliant experience, um, and obviously one of the benefits was... You were constantly meeting Scottish writers, whether that was new, emerging or professional writers. Mm-hmm. And I, I really liked the Scottish Writer Centre because it did encourage new writing and it also offered like speakeasies and open mic nights for people that wanted to experiment with their writing mm-hmm. or new work. Yeah, yeah I've, put, I've put quite a lot of events up on my website um, you know, at, at Scottish Writers and... There's a terrific, there's a terrific variety in what happens. You know, you you never know what's coming, but also the, the opportunities for p- people to submit, and then being included in no, events. Definitely, and they also did a lot of, you know, it's mixed genre. So it was writers from all fields. There was journalism. There was, you know, um, playwrights, um, fiction writers, poets, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really covered mm-hmm. every. Aspect and that was one of the challenges was always trying to offer something different. At, um, the events were every two weeks, 
So you're on average you're having two writers a month. Um, it's over uh, the twelve over the year. It would be twenty four writers, and within the concept of that, you also would partner with outside organisations. Um, one of the things that we used to do every year was the I Write Festival. Um, so you yeah, were also uh -huh. yeah. So you're also going outside, um, and for example, when Jean Rafferty was with Scottish Pen, um, Jean and I um, introduced uh, an annual. Um, writing event which is called Dias de los Muertos which is Day of the Dead Oh yeah, and they've got the most fabulous images That's right haven't they? Yeah, I love those um. <clears throat> So that was really fun, I mean that was something that sort of Jean approached me and we talked about it and we decided we would do it and actually the Scottish Writer Centre still do it today mm -hmm. um, and that was always a really mm -hmm. successful event Is that usually in November? When it's the, the, the there's other stuff going on, like the ghosts are out. That's right, yes. <laughs> um, and it's like kind of the, their equivalent to Halloween, you know, the mm -hmm. 31st. Yeah. But it goes a wee bit longer for them, I think. It goes right into the 2nd or 3rd of November, or the first week in November. Mm -hmm. um, but aye, it was always a really good event. Um, and one of the things about Mexico, which is why Jean started doing this, is that it's one of the most dangerous places in the world for writers to live. Um, so the first event was a, we concentrated on Mexico and it turned out there's a Scottish artist called Jan right now I can't remember Jan's second name but there was something like 52 students that went, that went to university one day and never came home oh they all God. just disappeared oh and this Scottish artist Jan she actually painted each student and she does that like a memorial site yeah, for them. Oh my god, that's awful. So that was her first mm -hmm. event and what was wonderful about that is she gave everybody a copy of, you know, her artwork and we all sort of held this piece of artwork up and Jan filmed it. Every every member of the audience had a piece mm -hmm. of this artwork and she filmed it because she keeps in touch with the parents mm -hmm. of all these students mm -hmm. and you know, just to sort they of... Would, they would be, wouldn't be able to believe that was happening in Scotland. Oh, definitely. And that was mm -hmm. that was the beauty of it, you know, because mm -hmm. she wanted to show um, these parents... Sort of recognise them. Yeah, and and also to sort of show them that, you know, people in other countries were being yeah, made aware of they were it. forgotten. Definitely. So mm -hmm. um, one thing that Jean seems to do every year is she does a weekend of memorial for these students. And today, yeah, act, mm -hmm. today they've actually not been found, so... Mm -hmm. That was that was quite something new that I started mm -hmm. while I was there, and it's still ongoing. Mm -hmm. And and Jean just, Jean's got lots of. Who's the chair now? The chair is Andrew Smith. Right. Mm -hmm. He was there before with you, was he? He was an intern from Glasgow yeah, University. Because um, remember we came to do the ten writers, uh -huh. and you weren't you weren't there, right. you weren't able to be there. But I think it was Andrew. It was. Um, but you know, it was great because we got such help. I mean, it was a, it was a good place to go. You know, I would encourage anybody, you know, if they had an idea to approach the Scottish writers, because we got such a lot of help from them. You know, with the sound and everything, it was very well done, and you know, people to, you know, when you go some places, you're sort of thinking, what's happening? But it was like the opposite of that. Everything was very smooth and, well, and helpful. That, well, that's one of the. I mean, it, that's really down to the CCA, because mm -hmm. um, obviously the Scottish Writers Centre used space, their space. But the wonderful thing about the CCA is not only do they give the space, but they, 
they set everything up for you in the yeah. room. Oh, it was super. And um, Andrew, but Andrew was very helpful too. No, no, uh, it's a fantastic um, setup. I think it was Maggie Graham was one of the people who had the idea way back. She was you know, a founding member yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. with um, David Kinlock, who right. is mm-hmm. at Strathclyde University, or mm-hmm. he may be at Caledonia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's a, a great, it's a, a great idea. That you mentioned Jean Rafferty there, and I remember um, seeing quite a lot of events that you were you were you were very involved with dovetails. Uh-huh. The Jean sort of um, is heads up. That's uh-huh. an interesting project as well, isn't it? Definitely. So Jean um, left the Scottish Pen, I think it might have been around the same time, same year as I left. It's 2017 and she set up Dovetails, which is an association of artists for peace. And Jean does so much. I mean, she travels practically all over Scotland having events. There's always um, a music, literature and arts element to her events. And she, she's really good at getting people involved um, at the grassroots level. Um, Jean, obviously, is a, a journalist and has done, you know, been very much involved all her life in the, the world of writing. And as a result of that, she has major connections. So anytime Jean wants something, she, she's almost like a magician. She just suddenly, you know, <laughs> makes a phone call or... You know, and 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 I think one of the. But she's not. Um, I mean, I've seen stuff that she's done occasionally. She may have gone in touch with me, but she's not one of these pushing things in your face sort of a people. No, definitely you know, not. You know, and which can be the, the, a lot of people. Um, you know, they're trying to do good stuff, but you can get a bit overwhelmed at times. But she's very much the opposite of that. Definitely, I mean, Jean's very laid back, and she's kind of giggly, and you know, mm-hmm. and. I quite like her because um, she can talk you into things as well, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. You know, she yeah. uh, um, she can make you sort of go away and think, how did she manage that? How did she pull that off? <laughs> but um, but yeah, she's very um, she's just about to do an event with Celtic Connections and Gerda Stevenson. Right, um, I must watch out for that because I'm needing to do quite a wee bit of work on my Celtic Connections promotions. Um, so well, that's that's her next I'll event, and I'm sure it. I want to say it's on Sucky Hall Street, but it could be Argyle Street. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I'll her next, next event. It's She's just, very good at um, also going along to things. I see her at events, um, no, sort of supporting other people. Yep, she definitely does. She definitely gets out and about. Mm-hmm. I think um, you do that too, Ruby. I do, but I would have to say in the last year I've not been out as much as I have previously. I used to go out a lot, but. 2019 is going to be me going to more events definitely. But you've been working. You've done. You've done. I noticed you won an award recently for your poetry. So have you been working on your poetry? Um, I literally spent the whole of 2018 um, working on my own personal writing, and in November um, I came joint second with another woman in the Imprint Literary Award, um, and that was. That was fabulous. It was presented by Zoe Strachan of Glasgow University, yeah. mm-hmm. and she's quite an inspiring person. She herself. is. I know. I know. I know Zoe in pretty well. I did the Mlet um, at uni, but um, also Zoe. She's so encouraging, and Zoe and Louise Welsh wrote the foreword for her book. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, they they were. She's wonderful. She really is. And so is Louise Welsh. Oh, I love, I love, I love Louise Welsh. Uh, the the two of them. Um, 
I've seen him in so many things. I did a lot recently with the Muriel Spark. That's right. I went to a few of those lectures. They were great. And then also, um, before that, the year before, they worked on the homeless um, project. Oh, see, I didn't And the writing for the, the, the... Oh, they produced something um, fabulous. You would love it, Ruby. I'll probably got it here. I'll try and dig it out before you go. Um, it was... They got people who were homeless to, to write... And then they had had an, an event um, where they were reading their work. I think it was part of I, I Write Year Before Last. Oh, wow. But, uh, but Zoe and um, Louise, they put themselves so wholeheartedly into so many, many things. They do. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's interesting. They're also very passionate. I mean, that's one thing I like about both Louise and Zoe. And the one thing I love about Glasgow, interestingly enough, is... I think this is brilliant about Glasgow. You can walk through the west end of Glasgow and Louise Welsh will be walking around or, or Zoe Strachan. Or Bernard McClafford. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> Alistair Cray. Alistair Cray. Well, Alistair's not walking so much now since he had his accident, but he still, and, still gets out there. But I remember the first time I saw Alistair Cray walking around Glasgow and it was pre-people doing selfies, but I, I ran up to him and I was like, hi, you know, because I was just so annoyed. I just came back to, from, back to Scotland to live. And I saw him and I was I was just overwhelmed and I ran up to him and I was like, can I take a picture of you? <laughs> and he was like, yes. And I actually did the kind of selfie, but this was the pre-selfie yeah. days. Um, and, I, and then, obviously, I saw Louise Welsh another day. I didn't I didn't do that with Louise. I felt that like that would be a bit, bit too much and I was a bit older and more mature, so I wasn't as, you know. But I just think it's great because I don't know if there's any other city in the world where you can walk around and see some of the best writers you know, mm-hmm. especially in Bears Road. Definitely. No, I, I remember when I met Alistair Gray. At first, I wanted to interview him for um, a feature on my website, and I have a section up on Glasgow writers. So I went to meet Alistair, and um, the I met him upstairs in the chip, and he was with Morag at that that time. His wife, she's since died, unfortunately, but. Um, I I could hardly get a word in to ask him about things because he more or less kicked off and said to me, what is, could I ask you what your father does or what your father did? He was wanting to ask me all about... He's so interested in people. And then um, I had only read Poor Things. I said, but I'm intending reading Lanark. I've got it and I'm intending reading it. And um, so then um, I did read Lanark and then I met him again. At that time he was working in Oren Moore because he's such a wonderful artist as well, of course, and he was painting the ceiling. But at that point I met him, he was painting outside. So um, I saw him and I went over and I said, oh, oh, you're busy, Alistair. And he says to me, do you want me to fill in a wee bit? <laughs> it's so, um, it's very boyish, isn't it? very exuberant and so I painted a wee bit of the yellow and then um, I said to him I've read Lanark now I said I enjoyed it I said I find a little bit quite humorous and he said I'm so glad you said that he says nobody ever gets that <laughs> you know <laughs> and, um, but I absolutely absolutely love Alistair Great no, no, we're, we are lucky um, you know, to have all these wonderful you know hugely talented people just dotting about <laughs> definitely and one of the stories that Alistair told at one point when I met him was that while he was doing Oren Moore 
um, he was being given a, a very high rate of pay and all the pe- assistants that were hired along with him were given £15 an hour mm-hmm. and he threw a fit and went down and demanded that everybody got the same wage. Yeah. So he actually ended up getting £15 an hour as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many people would do that? No, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, the, it, it, the other thing, um, that time I met him, he asked me if I knew, I knew um, Alan Richardson and he says, you've got to get in touch with Alan. And Alan is a road sweeper in Glasgow, but he's also an artist. Wow. And then I did get in touch with Alan, and we featured him on the website now too, but that was through Alistair. And um, in his, you know, he's got the mural in Hillhead Underground. Uh-huh. And he's got Alan Richardson in that. Oh, wow. So, okay, you know what, no, no, I think it's great. The other funny thing that happened was... Um, after I'd interviewed Alistair, I then had got in touch with Bernard McClafferty and he was chatting about Alistair and we went to Bernard's house, Jim and I, and I, I said to him oh, I, that I really had enjoyed poor things and he said, I'm the monster in that. <laughs> and he went and got the book. And um, Alistair uses people he knows for his images so it's Bernard McClafferty he drew his face as the monster in the book Poor Things oh, I didn't know uh, that it's kind of it's very um, it's very kind of endearing yes. and, and, and amusing you know I no, I, I love that there, um, did you see the, the 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 play the production play of Lanark at no. The Citizens no oh my god it's it was fantastic when was that one Ruby I want to say two years ago. Um, yeah, it was definitely mm. two years ago. Uh, no, twi- no sorry, twenty sixteen. So mm-hmm. nearly three years ago. Yeah. Um, it um, it was a couple of local professors from Glasgow University and David Gregg, the playwright, who did it. And it was a three hour long play. Obviously, it's a very long book. Um, and you would think, am I going to be able to sit in the theatre for three hours? And I'm not joking. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. And it was so close to the book, it was so well done. And what was fascinating about it and what quite disturbed me in watching the production was that um, one of the scenes is Alistair is a, a, a actually as a television. So they've created this image of Alistair and he's got sunglasses on, the sunglasses are kind of like the television screen. And it was so bizarre because he just had his accident. And I don't know why, but it really upset me. Even though mm-hmm. I loved the play, mm-hmm. that scene just kind of grappled with me and I don't know why, because I'm, you know, I'm not related to Alistair. I don't know him personally. But you feel... Um, a passion for him? Yeah. It's, I, I, I've seen him often um, and I've written... I, I, I'm, 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 quite, I'm quite lazy. I go to things and I don't write reviews about everything. But um, do you ever go to Creative Conversations? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And the, it's a great event. Um, there's well. something else that Louise and Zoe do so well. And I loved Alistair um, at that. He, you know, he, he, he's just, I think he's just the most um, likeable person. And he's so... Um, it's just very natural. It's just him, you know. What what you what you see is what you get, and you're not going to get anybody else like him. 
I think what's fascinating about him is most artists and writers you meet, not all, but certainly most, have huge egos. He's not, no, and he's, he's not, not even not getting close not, to it, no, a fraction. No. And he's he's both. He's an amazing. He's he's out there. His literature is fantastic, mm-hmm. and his artwork's fantastic. That's right. No, he's no, he's hugely talented, hugely talented man. And, and I love it. I love the his whole story about trying to put Glasgow on the map, the way New York and London and you know different cities are on the map. And I I like the. I, I think I have a huge admiration for him about his refusal refusal to leave and go to London to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, he absolutely refused mm-hmm. and he wasn't doing it. And he done a great job of putting Glasgow on the mm-hmm. map. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love Glasgow and I think it's just, there's masses, always masses going on and there's so many, um, you know, so many people so full of enthusiasm and doing a lot of different different things. Very, both in writing and music and um, you know, drama. Oh, just in all sorts of all sorts of areas. But it's good when you see it. Um, when you see it related, as I think Alistair does, and you've certainly done, when you see the the culture and. Uh, um, Related to issues, you know, and the things of concern. Like I loved it, like when Louise and Zoe did the the homelessness um, project. That was wonderful. But I know that that dovetails certainly does that. But also, um, the, the some of the stuff that you've done yourself and are doing with that. Like you've got a new project that you're trying to get the more. Like events in the east end of Glasgow. Well, what 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 as we're trying to do is um, what we're trying to do is get people from the east end to actually come and share their work, but also, you know, people from the other quadrants of the city, like the west end and the south side, to actually go to the east end yeah. uh-huh. because the east end does have a kind of tar against its name because it's the last last part of the city that's not sort of moved forward into the modern world with regards to what they're doing. I mean, if you go along Duke Street, which is the East End, um, that's really starting to get cutting edge in mm-hmm, the same mm-hmm. way that the West End is. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, kind not, of finished kind of. Uh-huh. It's not quite there yet, but it's breaking through. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jim Ferguson, who's a poet, writer and critic from the East End, and he teaches at Kelvin College in the East End, you know, we were talking about all of this and and he was talking about how he teaches all these people creative writing and there really isn't opportunities for them to go and share their work. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm part of a Glasgow collect artist collective and there's Louise Maloney, who's an artist, there's Brian McFall, who's a mus- musician, and then there's Jim and I, who are both writers. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not quite as far advanced far advanced as Jim. Jim's actually written a lot of books. Um, he's amazing. He really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And I quite like how he exp- he experiments with yeah. song and yeah. writing. And he's a, another person that is very, very likeable. Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, he... Uh, I was loving he's got his stripy top on. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's engaging. And... Um, You've got an event coming up, haven't you, in, uh-huh. in January? January the 22nd, and it's an alternative Burns uh-huh. night. 
and basically what we're, we're, we're more or less saying anything goes and we're, mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is appeal to all art forms you know people are making films then bring your films and show them if people are whatever they're doing dancers in fact I was actually talking to a dancer today about it to try and encourage her to come and sort of um, she does Latin American dancing um, oh, brilliant and so we're talking to her to try and get her but ultimately what we wanted to do was try and sort of change attitudes in the East End and not just about um, people that live in the East End but people coming to the East End yeah. to enjoy uh-huh. the arts in all, mm-hmm. all its different forms. Where does it on? In, in, I know it's, it's the 23rd, is it? It's the 23rd? 22nd of 22nd. January. And, and it's at the Calton Bar on London Road. Right. The Calton Bar has a long history, a long negative history of sort of gangster um, but the two new owners, uh, Scott and Katrina, who've been there for about five years, have completely cleaned it up. And it's a beautiful little bar. Mm-hmm. In fact, I found out on my mother's 86th birthday last October, my Auntie Susan came. And she, my Auntie Susie lives in the West End, but her family owned that bar. Right. And, inter- and interestingly enough, there's a mirror up on the wall and and it's been there since her family owned it because it's got her family name on oh it. Oh my heavens, that was so, amazing. I know, so it's so bizarre because we actually had that... Had it was the, a, so you were meant to be there? Uh-huh. Absolutely. And then what happened is, through being there, got speaking to the owners and they were sort of saying, oh, we'd love to see you know something different happening here. They kind of wanted us to do something every week. But I, I thought, no, it's too much, you know, because there's so much going on in Glasgow, literary-wise mm-hmm. and art-wise. Um, it really is a cutting-edge city when it comes mm-hmm. to what's going on in the arts. Um, and, you know, because I was talking to Jim Ferguson about, you know, what he could do with his students, and, you know, we just all sort of thought... Well, what had actually happened is, in September of last year, we got involved with an organising an organisation called 100,000 Poets for Change, it's a United States-based organisation, but last year, on the 29th of September, they wanted to do an event for peace and justice in every city around the world, and I put our name forward. We had no money, we had nothing, but somehow we managed to pull it all together, and we held an event at the Project Cafe, and it was very successful, and because we'd kind of tasted the waters there, that's when Jim Ferguson said, you know, we really need to do something like this in the East End. And it's it's just something that was sort of the seed of an idea that sort of took on a wee life of its own and it's happening now. So how often do you think there will be something on? We're going to do um, an event on the fourth Tuesday of every every month. Good. And we're going to um, spend the first half hour showcasing a specific act. So we've kind of put a few... Um, some information out on social media sort of saying to people have you got a proposal yeah, please let us know I, I, I saw it I think I maybe saw it either saw it on Facebook or um, or Twitter so I've, I've created a feature about it oh thank you and, um, <laughs> and so re, I'll retweet that and so so on um, no, I, I, it sounded very interesting a very interesting idea and because it because it is in, in the East End, that's, that's great. I mean, I worked for um, a long time in Royston, which, you know, it was pretty... Well, especially at that time, it was a kind... It was the largest number of lone parents, largest number of unemployed. Those statistics very poor. And the 
I think that give open doors up for people, give them opportunities, and they absolutely they, they just jump at it. And there's so much talent and ability in these places. No, definitely. I mean, I actually worked with a, a homeless organisation called the Lodging House Mission. They're based in yeah. East Campbell Street mm-hmm. in East End. And I, st- I went in and, as a volunteer initially. They ended up paying me because I, I, I raised funds. Um, but I started a drama group and I helped them. I taught them playwriting and helped them develop a play. And then I taught them drama skills and brought in people like the Citizens Theatre and um, ind- independent artists from like Glasgow Life to work with them. And then we presented a, a full production to the East End community and to the point where we got... Um, all all of us get interviewed on STV. Oh, that was know, amazing, and that was fascinating because a lot of them actually had drug and alcohol issues to the mm-hmm. point where they were coming to class mm-hmm. in some states. Um, and there was one woman that used to come, and she was a very angry woman and all shouting, screaming. Mm-hmm. So I gave her the the main lead part, mm-hmm. which was a woman that was in a sort of abusive relationship, and whenever she'd come in in the morning and shout and scream. You know, I'd say, right, see all that anger, take that to the stage today. And she, <laughs> Perfect. Would, she was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And she got so into this yeah. whole... I, th- I think, um, I mean, Jim and I actually, a long time after I'd left Rosemount, but we went up there to the Open Learning Centre and we worked with people from that had come through the um, Scottish Drugs Forum. And it was just teaching people basic IT skills, you know, how to... Get an, into how to get an email account, how to work email, how to go on online. Very very basic, but um, people the people um, everybody came had had um, addiction problems, and I think I think the thing you need to do is just it's just people, you know you, you know I mean I'm like addicted to charity shops. I'm trying to <laughs> myself off them, you know uh, the you've just got to think of the person. Without all the taboo and the, the taboos and sort of preconceived ideas, because y- you're never going to get anywhere. Um, no, you know. and that's that's one thing about that young woman. You know, she was obviously angry, but she had a lot of things happen to her, and probably that's why she was angry. But that changed her life, and she even told me that afterwards. She went, you know, this experience has changed my life. Um, and I'd like to think and hope that she's going on to do more things yeah, like that because uh-huh, she was brilliant uh-huh. I mean, she was fantastic mm-hmm. um, and that was very similar and it's interesting that you were just talking about that because I went, I, I was a writing residency at HMP Glenoco upon my return to Scotland through the Scottish Book Trust and what I remember is SPS gave me this special code that I could log into their system and find out, you know, as much as I wanted about each prisoner that I worked with and I never ever did it for that yeah, very no, reason, no. because I felt like I don't really want to be judging anybody. You know, I'm I'm in here to encourage people to be involved in something that I'm doing, mm-hmm. which was writing, and I didn't really want to know anything about them. And it's, re- it's not it's it's not, it's not related to it. Well, this is it. You know, this is it. Um, you know, and I do think I don't care how good you are or how nice you are. I truly believe that. We all have a judge inside ourselves. Uh-huh. So for me to read this stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have done as good a job mm-hmm. as if you know the mm-hmm. fact that I didn't. And we actually ended up uh, writing a two hundred page anthology of writing and art. And one of the projects I did with them was 
There was a brilliant art room there and a brilliant art teacher, Terry McCrossan, who was absolutely brilliant. Um, and the art room was like, it would blow your mind. It really would blow your mind. I mean, the artwork was fabulous. But what I used to do is take the writers into the art room and they'd respond to different artwork. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes um, the artists would ask us for finished um, pieces of writing, whether it was poetry or a short story or whatever, and they would respond, you know, artistically to that. So it ended up being a book of writing and art, right. and it was a, br- a brilliant fantastic. experience. No, I mean, I think just, you know, that sort of work, you know, people, it takes them to a different place. It definitely and, does. And you don't know, you, you have no idea... I mean, people might just go along and enjoy being there and enjoy doing something, but but some people, it opens huge doors to them. Definitely. Excuse me, that's my daughter. Sorry, Ruby, we interrupted in in mid-flow with the... We're having that interesting (laughs) discussion about the work in the prison. I think think that's fantastic, and... And, you know, it's a kind of privilege to be able to do that, isn't it? It definitely is. Because you you can get an awful lot out of, you know, that type of work. I I would have to say, out of all the writing projects I've been involved in, it's definitely the one that I would say is my favourite. And what was fascinating about it was I took a book in and I wanted to use it as an evaluation book just to sort of see what people were thinking. And it was... I really called it a comments book... And I would, it was the only kind of rule I had in the classroom with the, the prisoners, and they were all male. And I would say, when you come in, I'd like you to write anything you feel, any comments you have, positive, negative, whatever. And it's the most entertaining book that's ever been written in the history of man. Because any time I feel down in the dumps, I pull that out of the closet and I, I read it and I literally cry with laughter. Because these guys were brilliant. I mean, they just mm-hmm. were brilliant. I mean, it's probably the most horrible environment to be in for any human being um, but they kind of made the best of what was a bad mm-hmm. thing and I would have to say that you always think of prisoners as being rude and horrible and angry but one thing that I have to say about the, the prisoners at HMP Glenoco, they treated me always with the utmost respect mm-hmm. at all times, mm-hmm. they were never rude they never used profanity um, and just to give you an idea James Kelman came in because I used to get a little bit of funding from the Scottish Book Trust to bring different um, writers in. I mean, Liz Lockhead came in, James Kelman, all sorts came in. Um, but when James Kelman came in, James Kelman's a smoker, and a lot of prisoners are smokers, and it's a huge thing in prisons because they use tobacco as a bartering device to get things that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so James Kelman smoked cigarettes, and they all smoked tobacco. And... Back then, this is when you could smoke in prisons. I think you're not allowed to smoke in a prison anymore but uh, since the smoking ban. But back then, you were allowed to smoke. And James, they all had to go to the male restroom to have their cigarettes at break time. And James went with them. And apparently, everybody was tapping cigarettes off him. <laughs> and, you know, one of the prisoners that was in my class had gone up to him and went, put your cigarettes away, please, because you'll go home with none. <laughs> <laughs> but James Kelman didn't care, because he told me about it later. He was like, he says, oh, it was quite interesting. He says, I went for a wee fag, he says, and uh, they were all tapping fags. He says, I don't know which guy it was. I think it was a wee guy, Willie, that was in my class, and I think it was him. He says, me, Willie, said, you know, don't want to take your fags out, because they'll just all tap, tap you. <laughs> and, you know, I can imagine um, James Kelman wouldn't have been the slightest bit put out. No. Um, I love his writing. 
I love his writing too, but what I loved about James Kelman and what all the guys that were in my workshop loved about James Kelman, because I kept trying to get them to write in Glaswegian or Scots, depending on where they were from. Most of them were actually from the G31 area of Glasgow, which is the East End. Mm -hmm. And actually there's been studies linked to male children being born in the East End and they're saying there's a high likelihood that if you're born in the East End and you're male, you'll end up at some point in prison. How true that is, I don't know, but that's what the studies show. But they used to call my class, well, it was a workshop, they used to call it the G31 Club. Um, I didn't know this until later on, but that was their kind of wee secret and it, most of the guys were from there. But I always tried to encourage them to write in Glaswegian and so I started taking James Kelman's work in and we would read it. And they thought it was fantastic, but none of them could read Glaswegian. They all spoke it, but they couldn't read it. And they they really struggled with it and moaned and groaned at me. And Ruby, I, what does that word say? And I'd be like, that's a Glasgow word, you know, things like that. But when James Kelman came in, he broke through that barrier. I couldn't break Glasgow, through that. Yeah. Because they were so enamoured that there's this guy standing in front of them who mm. was just like mm. them. Mm. And actually at that time... Interestingly enough, my sister bought her house off James Kelman, so he lived in the East End of Glasgow. Um, and they just thought this was brilliant. And when he sat there and spoke about, you know, writing in your own language, um, and that that's the barrier that was broken. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a very honest man. You know, it's very... I mean, I don't know him, um, know him at all, but I've seen him at different events, and I, I love his approach. And also, I'm um, sometimes struggling to write, to get into somebody's head, always dig out disaffection <laughs> and have a wee read at it because it gets me back into... Because he's just... He's the master he of really that is. art. And um, it's obviously that. But I've seen him at a couple of... Well, a good few events, actually, but I saw him not that long ago and he was taking um, questions from the audience and somebody said to him... Um, as a working class writer, blah, blah, blah. And he says, wait a minute. He says, I won the Booker Prize. I'm no effing working class. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, that is the, an important distinction. I mean, you can be of that class and you can have a good understanding. But when you move on, um, you know, you're, sometimes you can't really say, I'm working class any, anymore, you know, you've... Sort of, um, you've you maybe you well, you if you're looking at it like income or where you live or, or whatever, um, and I thought that was, um, I thought that was quite an important thing, for, for him to, to to say, you know, not building himself up as like I'm I'm one of you kind of thing because he doesn't he doesn't um, have any need to do that and it and it would be dishonest. I think it's one of the things I find interesting, having lived in the States and been involved in writing projects in the States and meeting well-known writers who I felt were kind of uppity, um, and not all of them, and then coming to Glasgow and meeting Scottish writers. I mean, we we also took Liz Lockhead into the prisons, and the guys were like, I mean, they fell in love with Liz Lockhead. I mean, they didn't even want to take a break. They were hanging <laughs> on every word she said, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, and I actually had to literally say to the guys, right, can we take a break now? And they weren't leaving the room. <laughs> I mean, I had to get them to leave the room. It was and, a treat for them. Uh-huh. And they were just enamoured by, you know, this um, this woman who was a famous Scottish writer and she's sitting in the same room and they're talking to her as if they're talking to their auntie or their sister or their wife. 
you know, and and she was just so engaging and it was fascinating. And I think there was one guy that was a wee bit over the top, you know, he was completely obsessed with her. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, I need to get this guy out of the room, I need to get this guy out of the room, you know. I mean, but Liz was just so blase and, you know, she, she just... It was brilliant, I have to say. I mean, it's all about the kind of empathising, isn't it? But without, you know, just accepting, you know, people not have any preconceived ideas or try to do things differently or... Or, for example, like, sometimes I find that um, some people, once they get a book published, they kind of think that's them, they're sort of... They're here and you're there. Mm. And I, I, I feel... And with all the Scottish writers that I've ever met, I've never felt that. You know, it's like you don't feel that divide. You know, um, no, there's that. There, 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 there's so much encouragement. I mean, when we um, started the Ten Writers Project, and I approached a lot of different people, um, you know, Maggie Gibson, um, Stuart Cosgrove, like um, Alan Bissett. A whole lot of different different people to ask for testimonials, and of all the people that I asked, and there were a lot, they just right away sure sure, and you know they wanted to see the book, and they were, and then of course we had so much support from Zoe and um, Zoe Strachan and Lise Welsh. I only had one person refuse to to do it. You know the the people that there was some sort of problem. You know, I couldn't understand it actually, but everybody else was just so a ninety nine percent success rate, and I found that that um, you know th- there's a lot of a, a lot of support. I mean, I find it so. I mean, Jim's a musician, and he's worked for like since he was a teenager. He's had bands, and the people respond very very well. I I emailed somebody yesterday. Um, there's some fundraising going on and um, I had been uh, approached and Jim had been approached and you know to see if he could do anything and help and he, his, his band would play but I said to him um, oh I bet Mickey Rooney would do that because the primevals I mean they're a popular popular very super band and I emailed him well, I get, I get back immediately sure you know, and I think that is, I think that's very uh, something about Glasgow that people are just very up for. You know, you're not you're not asking people and sort of thinking like you're asking a big favour really. You're kind of you're, it's your expectation that there'll be this a uh, collegiate approach to things. Definitely, and it's interesting because I, obviously I was born and raised in Glasgow and I left for eighteen years. Actually, I left for 25 years because I lived in England before I went to the States. Where were you in America, Ruby? I was in Washington, D.C. Um, but what was interesting was, you know, growing up in Glasgow and it was kind of... I always had a bad rap, Glasgow, a bad name. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to Glasgow and when I was chair of the Scottish Writers' Centre and hired all those interns. Um, so I was hiring 30 interns a year and each time it was 10 at a time. And there was at least half of them that were English or from other places and what fascinated me was none of them wanted to leave Glasgow after oh, they graduated no, because they thought that Glasgow was such a creative, yeah, yeah, cutting-edge mm-hmm. city. And yeah. that blew my mind uh-huh. because suddenly Glasgow's went from that to that uh-huh. and that made me so proud. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting talking to, you know, a 20-year-old English girl from London and she doesn't want to go back to London. No, she wants to stay in Glasgow. Um, I, I, 
absolutely <laughs> agree with you. And we love to go, Jim and I love to go to the um, graduate shows at the the um, Glasgow School of Art. Uh-huh. And we go, we, we, we always, always go to them. And I, there are so many overseas students and a lot of English and um, European people from everywhere. And they, they love to chat to you because they're very proud of their, their work. And some of them are amazing. I mean, they've got like joint degrees, engineering and art, and they've got, got these amazing products. But every time we go, we'll be speaking to people and if you say, you know, what you're doing now? And they say, well, I, I want to stay in Glasgow, but I can't. But a lot of them can't stay because of the immigration rules. That's right. Because they know, because they've got to earn 30,000, which earn in London, but they're not going to earn in Glasgow, not as a, somebody starting out. So it's all this huge pool of talent, of all these massively um, talented, um, educated, qualified people getting turfed out the door. Some of them don't even get staying until they graduate. That's right. I, I remember when I did my master's degree in 2017, there was a couple of people that uh, mm-hmm. you know, went through the playwright and dramaturgy um, course at M. Litworth, and that was one of mm-hmm. the barriers that they were up against. Yeah. At least three or four, you know, uh, went back to yeah. their own countries. I, know. I found that in... I, I did the, um, the creative writing at Glasgow, and we had quite a lot of Americans on the course, uh, most of them very young, with lovely, vibrant, you know, really, you know, the people, sort of people you'd be saying, oh, come to my country, you know, <laughs> you'd be trying to coax them to come. And and they, they were, and, and most of them were, were working, um, you know, like maybe in pubs or something, but they were, um, they were already paying blinking tax and, you know, can, making some sort of, you know, they weren't, any way, last thing they were were like leeches, you know, it was just the complete opposite. No, it's, it's, a, it's a pity, but they do, they do all seem to um, love Glasgow. In fact, on my website, um, there's a lovely young woman, um, Pamela Banchetti, she's still studying in Glasgow, but she wrote this um, feature and I love it. It's on my site and it gets a lot of hits, and it's, um, I think it's called The Five Reasons Never to Leave Glasgow. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Because <laughs> she, she um, just loved it so much. and you, it, it, make, it makes you feel... Um, even, I think even just English, English people come to Glasgow, <laughs> just for the simple reason that, you know, we always did have a bad rap, particularly down south, <laughs> and I lived in England for um, eight years, and I even remember, like, some of the comments that were made to me just because I was Scottish, and... I always felt like second best because I came from Glasgow mm-hmm. and then to come back and see this fast 180 degree turn where everybody wants to be living in Glasgow it's just, mm-hmm. it's quite empowering actually, mm-hmm. I think it makes you feel good yeah. and you knew, you know you, you know deep down in your heart that Glasgow's this great You city. should be the, the city's ambassador <laughs> Ruby <laughs> Um, no, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you I lived in London, I lived in London for um, a few years as a um, well, my late, late, I went in my late teens and I lived there for three years. My, my, Michael, my um, first, my oldest son, he was born in London. Okay. So um, I lived there for... And I loved it. I mean, I, I, I did I love London, but 
I don't love going anymore because um, I, well, I used to go, my, my, when I used to go, I used to stay in Brixton. I love Brixton, but my, my Mary, my best friend, we'd been pals since we were five. She died and she was only 56 when she died. So I kind of always went to her. So I wouldn't have been going back to Brixton, but the last time, the last couple of times I've been down and, you know, well, we were in Blackheath and then Jim was playing, actually. He was supporting Benny Gallagher, remember Gallagher and Lyle? So Jim was supporting Benny Gallagher and we went down and then um, did a few other gigs and we were staying in Blackheath and then we were walking over the, the heath and then... We got the um, the Bee River boat, which is lovely. But then you're looking over to Canary Wharf, and you're taking the the boat out. It's like another world. There seems so much money, and um, the new light railway, and you're thinking, I, I I I don't I don't know. It didn't it it didn't have the same appeal for me. I just felt. Um, no, no, I used to always love... I would say I went to London probably once a year. I loved going to London. I haven't been now for quite a few years and I don't feel the same pool. I don't know. I've always um, felt... I don't know why. I lived in Peterborough um, and when did I move to Peterborough? In 1981. I was about 17 years old. I was kind of fresh out of high school and it, at that point it was the fastest expanding new town in the whole of Europe so it was a very small town that was just and uh, I ended, ended up being a window dresser down there um, and kind of I started off wanting to be this famous writer and then I went to Peterborough and I couldn't I didn't really know what I was doing but somehow I ended up with a job as a window dresser but it was the perfect job for me because I travelled all over England and went to London quite a lot to change windows in the stores in London um and I never ever, I don't know what it was, I never felt, I don't know, a lot of people fall in love with London, it didn't happen to me, I think it has beautiful buildings, there's a lot to be said about London, I found it way too expensive, mm-hmm. and I found it too unfriendly, people weren't really sort of, you know, it's there's some cities and Glasgow's definitely one of them, um, and I know New York's another one where you can literally be a single female, walk into a restaurant or a bar, and people will start talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually the person that's sitting next to you mm-hmm. um, I didn't feel that London was like that I felt like if you were going to London you had to be going with someone else mm-hmm. I never ever felt like I could go to London and on my own and just you know, enjoy myself I always, and because I was always travelling on my own as a window dresser I never really, you know mm-hmm. I think that it was is a, it's, a, it's a very large city and, and there's so many people in London they're not Londoners that's right you know, that it's um, you can can understand in a way why it was kind of like that. I mean, I loved living in London, um, and I find it it was very exciting. And I was only a teenager, but I mean, the second day we were there, I mean, when Mary and I went, she was going to be at library school, so she wasn't allowed to go on her own. So I went with her. I remember my Aunt Mary seeing us off at, at, at Central Station and saying to us, now, don't speak to anybody you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the old train. You know, it was just the, the old train with the carriage, and it was all, it was way back then, 1967 or something. And, um, but we went to, we stayed in a, um, we were only allowed to go if we went to a convent. We stayed in a convent. Oh, wow. but, but the convent was in Belsize Park in Hampstead. Oh, so it was great. The second day we were there, 
we went into this place, um, this restaurant, and um, we were sitting next to the Hollies, oh the band. God. I mean, we just got off to the start where our eyes were popping, and then um, after a while, I went to stay with other girls in Glasgow, but we stayed in King's Road. It was the wrong end of King's Road. We stayed at the World's End, the opposite end of Sloan Square, and it was the world's end at that time. But in our wee heads, we were in King's Road, you know, and um, but, it, but, was, it was exciting. But I do have to say that as much as I didn't really like London, I loved Brixton. I loved Brixton. Because what yeah. I loved about Brixton was the colours. Uh-huh. You know, you could see an African woman walking down the street yeah. with her, her, her whole garb mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, there was loads of um, Caribbean people. I mean, I, lo- I loved, um, always, always loved Brixton. And I loved all the the names, like, you know, Electric Avenue, that's Cold right. Harbour Lane. That's right. And then when my mate, I've written a lot about um, South London, actually, because, um, well, Michael was born, um, I have epilepsy, so I was really ill when I was pregnant, so I was in the hospital for a long time before he was born, and it was nearly all women is South London Hospital for Women. So it was loads of uh, um, Caribbean women. And um, it was just... um, I I, I just... I think Brixton's so different from anywhere else. Well, what I have to tell you this story about Brixton. So I I was down there with some friends from Peterborough and they had friends from the Caribbean and they were taking us to a house party and the house was a mansion on the hill. I couldn't even tell you now where this house was because we were young and we'd had a few drinks and we walked quite a bit. And as we were approaching this house, I'll never forget it as long as I live, the windows were cracking and falling in. The music was so loud. And it was like, you know, they had huge, massive speakers and they were, it was like a dub sound. It was fascinating. And I'm saying to the girl, you know, I'm like, um... Where's, is that where the party is? And she's like, yes. And I was like, I think we, we might we might need to go somewhere else because it looks like that party's not going to happen. She went, no, 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 that's normal. <laughs> the, wind, the windows were all cracking in the house as we were walking up towards it and the music was, you know, so loud. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was fascinating. It was dead exciting. I thought you know, over, over, completely over the story. It would be putting me in the mood for a wee visit down to London. <laughs> And, I, and the next day they, they took me around all the markets and all that in Brixton. Oh, I just Brixton thought it was fantastic. Amazing. Um, yeah. No, I, and I think that's kind of like a wee country in its own, that part of London. I really do. Because I felt like the other parts of London that I visited over the years, it tended to be less friendly and more about people going about their business. And I actually worked for a woman in P- Peterborough who she she traded in furs. Mm-hmm. Um and she asked me, well, I actually didn't work for her, I worked for her husband, but one day she asked me to go to London with her in the car because she was going down to take these fur, fur coats down. And anyway, we drove down and she parked the car and went upstairs to the furrier. And by the time we got downstairs, her car had been towed away. Um, and that kind of, would, to me, was always representative of how cold it could be in London. You know, it's like, they just didn't even give you two seconds. It's like, because we literally carried the coats upstairs oh, no. and went back down and the car was gone. And I remember oh. having to race around London trying to find the depot and then finding the depot and paying the money to get the car out and going back home. And it was just one of those days if everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Oh, my God. So um, I wish I'd um, said to you to bring along one of your poems to, to read, um, Ruby, but 
Have you got um, any up on YouTube at all? No, I don't. You need to do that. No, I know, but I think I've, uh, Jim Ferguson is going to teach me how to do the visuals of that. Mm-hmm. Um, not, beca- not because I want visuals of me. I actually don't want visuals of me. But since my return to Scotland in 2006, I've took millions of pictures uh-huh. and I want to do kind of collages with yeah. my poetry because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a lot of times my poetry is actually inspired mm-hmm. by images. Mm-hmm. Um, I must show you um, one of Jim's okay. YouTubes because um, what he did, it's a, it's a sort of... Um, Lullaby, but it's a bit, it's a wee bit, um, wee bit, um, like, <laughs> kind of haunting, um, mm-hmm. rather than soothing. And um, he made a, he he recorded it for YouTube. But he got all these very very old old photographs, and they somehow it fits. You know, I didn't really know what he was doing at first, but when it plays, I'll sh- I'll, I'll I'll show you. Um, because I, I th- the images I think are a good idea. You know, they can, especially with a, a poem. I, I like the images better because sometimes I think it can be quite. Um, I've watched a lot of poets on YouTube and and different um, Im- um, sort of poem films they've made, and I always prefer the ones with images of not the poet. Uh-huh. There's something about finding, like you say, that finding the right images uh-huh. that really makes well, it work. Really work. Just remember, it's called, it's called Sleepy Head. The, the, the song is called Sleepy Head and then it's got all these images. Now, I don't know how you come up with the idea, but it just, it, it, it fitted so well. So, apart from, no, I'm going to come along to the event in the, in the 22nd. Oh, wow, thank you. No, I want to come along and, and maybe sometime um, I'll put, I'll submit something, see if it's um, and do a wee a wee reading. Obviously, when when we started doing the ten writers, and Jim said to me, "Well, you've got to be in it," and I said, "Well, I, I couldn't stand up for long. I would write something very, very short." <laughs> so, so I've got like the shortest story in the whole thing because I thought I can maybe stand up for five minutes, but I don't want to stand up there for ten minutes. <laughs> but um, and then he he would he would all would come and play play as well but apart from that what, what have you got in mind have you got anything any ideas for your period um, I know last year you worked and worked on your poetry so what's your kind of vision for 2019 I'm not sure because the other thing that we did um, last year was um, I came across an 85 year old poet online and I'd made an inquiry and said are you published and he said no I didn't know he was 85 years old and he's an ex-minor um, from the Gorbals, which is where I'm from, and I says to him, I says, let's let's get you published, um, and he was really up for the idea, and uh, he sent me all his poetry, and I, I edited it, did all the design and layouts, uh, and got it published, and quite enjoyed that project because over the years and all the different projects I've worked in, whether in the states or in Scotland, I've always had an anthology related to the project I've worked with, so it was. I actually sat back and thought about, you know, the whole publishing thing, you, you know, is it something that you should go into? I think, um, it's, I'm not really sure, I mean, I don't really know. T- 2019's all about possibly, again, you know, I did a lot of my own work last year and really concentrated on it and sort of going into a deeper level of that, you know, and really sort of looking at what else can I do for me? Um, Because I've worked so much with community groups and 
art institutions and educational establishments and the whole shebang over the last 30 years, I would say, that I've kind of got to a point where and it's not really that I need to. I'm just struggling to find work in the field that I'm interested in. Um, and there's just so few jobs out there just now in any field. Um, and there's such huge competition. Glasgow, be, you know, I know it's a big city in comparison to some cities, but there's so many talented creatives here. It is so competitive. So I have been struggling to kind of find work that's writing related or writing projects. And I've just decided that I want to sort of go down my own path and see where that takes me. And I actually don't know where that is just now. I'm just, we've kind of started off with this Cheeky Bisms uh, monthly event every fourth Tuesday at the Calton Bar. Um, and I've also got the opportunity for a local community that I live in, the Gorbals, I'm doing uh, creative writing workshops. Mm -hmm. I've just submitted the proposal for that, but the woman that I spoke to before Christmas told me she had funding. So if I can kind of get small things like that, then I can sort of spend, use that to sort of, you know, as your bread and butter to pay the bills and just concentrate on your own writing. Yeah. That's that. That's kind of mm -hmm. the plan, mm -hmm. but that's always been the plan. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good plan. So that's I, it. That, I think what you do is though you get caught up in these projects and you get so into them that you end up losing yourself in them. <laughs> that is easy, easy thing to do, especially when you've got your sort of nature and. But know. but they're also inspiring because I think if I didn't do these things, my, I wouldn't probably write. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, working in a writing project. It does inspire you to write. There's always something in it that will. You know, give you a wee good idea that I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. You know, that type of thing. I'm sure. It'll, I'm sure it'll, it'll work out. And I'm also working with Cheeky Bisms again, which is uh, Jim, Louise, and Brian. Um, we're actually working on our own performance piece, but it's going to be. Um, we're trying to get a dancer and a filmmaker and a few other people from other fields involved. Um, because we want it to be a a multidiscipline collaborative performance piece, and it's based on being a um, it's based on the, the stories of refugees and asylum seekers. Oh, that'd be amazing. And we kind of have at least, you know, a portion of it sort of... We, we rehearse every Thursday night and we've got a portion of it sort of down pat. We just need to sort of bring the other people on board so that we can make sure that it's, everybody is involved. Mm -hmm. And also, we're trying to be really, um, you know... With regards to the story of a refugee or an asylum seeker, we're trying to be sort of true to their story mm -hmm. and not trying, you know, make it our story. Mm -hmm. So we're really sort of, we're kind of breaking it right down to the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. well, that's, my God, I mean, <laughs> that's going to take you right up until 2020, I'm sure. It probably will. <laughs> but listen, Ruby, it's just been fascinating talking to you and... Thanks very, very much. Well, thank you, Dad. No, no. It's been great talking to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to say that. <laughs> Thanks Ruby McCann and thanks Pat Byrne. That was another fascinating Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End chat episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and we will catch you the next time. Okay, bye for now.